This is Matt Raymond from the Library of Congress. Each year, thousands of book lovers of all ages visit the nation's capital to celebrate the joys of reading and lifelong literacy at the National Book Festival, sponsored by the Library of Congress and hosted by First Lady Laura Bush. Now in its seventh year, this free event, held on the National Mall Saturday, September 29th, will spark readers' passion for learning as they interact with the nation's best-selling authors, illustrators, and poets. Even those not attending in person can access the event online. These pre-recorded interviews with well-known authors are available through the National Book Festival website in podcast format. To download, visit www.loc.gov slash bookfest. We now have the honor of talking with famed children's author Patricia McLaughlin. Her critically acclaimed books include Arthur for the Very First Time, winner of the Golden Kite Award, and Sarah Plain and Tall, winner of the Newbery Medal and subject of a popular television movie series. Ms. McLaughlin is also the recipient of the National Humanities Medal. Her latest book, Edward's Eyes, hits bookstores on August 28th. It's the story of a family and about coping with loss. We'd like to welcome you, Ms. McLaughlin. It's a pleasure to talk with you today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Let me ask you first about your new book, Edward's Eyes. What can you tell us about this book? Well, it was, um, I, I, it takes me a long time to write a book, and this one took a very long time. I think it's because of the subject matter. And it started 15 years ago. My son, who has lived in Africa for a long time, was, uh, in the backyard with me, and I happened to see in his wallet that he was a donor. I saw that on his license, and I said, you're a donor? And he said, yeah, somebody should have these great photographer eyes. So as a mother, you think, oh, horrors, but, you know, you're proud at the same time. And as a writer, you begin a story. So it began that long ago, only lately to be finished. Now, in Edward's eyes and, and other works, including Sarah Plain and Tall, you have examined serious issues in, in ways that young people can relate to and understand. What is your approach to that? How do you think you go about accomplishing that? Well, you know, I think that good books um, that are children's books are can be enjoyed and read by adults as, way as, as well as children. I think there's a many levels part to them, and there should be. If you think about... Um, Oh, any of the great books, uh, Charlotte's Web, uh, there's something you can get when you're five years old and it's read to you, something you can get when you're 105 and you read it. Mm -hmm. So there's a certain quality, and I think I strive for that sometimes. Now, you've said in other interviews that uh, sending children messages through writing is actually low on your priority list, that instead you try <laughs> to communicate in a way that the story brings children along. So even if your readers um, might not take away specific messages, they certainly gain something. What do you think or hope that your readers will gain from Edward's eyes? Well, I hope they see themselves somewhere in this. Um, I like this family, um, and I love Edward, and I love Jake. I love the children, and somehow I, I created this family I loved, and then I had to deal them a terrible blow, and I think sometimes things happen, and children know that. We, we don't give children credit enough so that they can see themselves in there. They can see something that perhaps happened to them, or they can imagine it, and it kind of enlarges their world and their imagination. What, what do you think books can teach us about ourselves, particularly young people? Well, I think 
you can stretch children. Uh, children can read books far beyond their years, and they can see, understand philosophies, and they can understand language. Some child left a message on my machine, and he said, um, I love what you say, and I love what you don't say, too. And to me, that was just fabulous, because there are some things you just don't say, and you hope the child grasps, and this child obviously did. If we could go back in time just a little bit, I'm sure your readers and fans would be interested in hearing about uh, how you came about becoming an author, and, and why did you choose children's literature? Well, I was a great reader, and I grew up in a family of readers, and my parents had books everywhere. And I think there's a message there for, for parents, that if you read and you have books in the home, it's seen as valued. And um, my parents read to me all the time, and my father acted out books with me. He acted out Peter Rabbit. Sometimes I could get him to do it 25 times a day, and we would change roles, and we'd discuss it and philosophize about it. So books became real. And um, and I could find myself there. My father once said, read a book and find out who you are. And that's that's kind of my philosophy. So that when I started writing, I wanted to write for children because I think they're discerning and adults can read them as well. So I feel like I have a large audience. Are there any um, authors in particular uh, who influenced you most as, as you were developing your craft and as you were growing up? Well, I read everything. I lived, I lived near a little library, and I would walk down there, and I read every single children's book in the entire library, and then I began them again. So I read all of Little Women. In fact, last night I was up late and watched Little Women on television, which was kind of taking me back to my youth. Mm -hmm. And um, But I, I love writers like Natalie Babbitt and Catherine Patterson, um, William Steig. Somehow reading these books inspires you, and it makes you want to write better. And I think that does the same for children. Um, when children begin writing, I think they begin by imitating. And so they pick their models. And um, I do the same. Now, uh, speaking from the Library of Congress, we certainly appreciate your promotion of libraries and, and the fact that you visit your libraries. How do you find today that you continue to get inspiration and motivation in your writing? Well, I still read. And I belong to a writer's group. And we meet once a week. And we discuss our books and our stories and critique them. And when I go to libraries and talk to children or to schools, I take my many, many drafts of my stories to show them that I have a life very much like theirs. I have to do things over and over again. Uh, they're astonished because I think many children feel that writers do it because they get it right the first time. And so it's inspiring to them, I think, to see that I work at it. And I have Sarah Plain and Tall, for instance, took me five or six drafts to get right, and then you write it over again when you find an editor. And then, of course, when you do the movie, you, you write it yet again. I feel like I could write that book from the cat's point of view by now. You mentioned earlier um, a call that you received from a fan um, in which the person said they love what you say and what you don't say. How does feedback from your young readers motivate you and inspire you? Oh, it's fabulous. I even love the letters when they say, I haven't found a book of yours that I like yet, but when I will, <laughs> when I do, I'll let you know. Um, I even like that. I like the honesty of children. 
And one little girl wrote me and said, are you married? I'm not. Tell me, how is it? They think I know a lot more than I do. <laughs> um, so I don't know. There's something refreshing about that. They, they're an unfettered and uncynical audience, I think. Now, you said that your writing process can be long and maybe deliberate. How do you do you find that you encountered difficulties as you're developing stories and how do you overcome those? What What is your process? Oh, yes, I sure do find difficulties. I begin a story usually with a character. I have a character in mind uh, as, as Edward's eyes began with my son, actually, who still lives in Africa. And um, I just began, and I began, as I began, I'm beginning to know the character. And I go through chapter one, and I think, well, who is this and what's going to happen? So I write for the same reason I read, to find out uh, what's going to happen. Sometimes I know the ending, but I have no idea how I'm going to get there. So it really is a winnowing out process. Boy, my delete button on my computer is really overworked. <laughs> Do you do you have any advice for aspiring writers, people who uh, aspire to do what you do, perhaps? Sure. I think they have to be readers, and I think they have to respect children if they're writing for children and figure that children are smarter than they think and never talk down to them or condescend. But I think being a reader is the main thing. And um, I still go to the library every other day and take out books. And I now have grandchildren, so I get to read new books with them, sometimes classics that I read when I was a child. Do you find that there are any special challenges or, or issues in writing for children? I mean, it, obviously you don't talk down to them, but, but uh, are there issues perhaps that would be different if you were writing for an adult audience? Yeah, I think what happens is what you do when you write for children is you – you don't have the complexity of language that you do when you write for an adult. And I think what you do is communicate the essence of an experience without using a lot of language. And I think that's the challenge for writing for children. Do you think sometimes uh, adult authors maybe lose touch with their own childhoods a little bit? I think a lot of them do. And I think actually a lot of adults, when they began writing for children, think they remember childhood or as they think they know it, but they really don't remember it well. I have this very intimate connection with my childhood. I remember when I was three and four and where I lived and what I did and, and how the hollyhock smelled in our yard. And, and I just have this amazing remembrance of how it was to feel lonely and worried and all those kind of things that children go through, and they love hearing this. They love hearing that I haven't quite grown up yet. Why do you think your memories are so vivid? I think a lot of people find their childhoods as just sort of a, a hazy blur or maybe just very nebulous. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I think I had a fabulous family, and I, we had fabulous, we traveled, and my father and mother always talked to me about things, and... I was, you know, I had imaginary friends. I was an only child, and I had imaginary friends who my parents set places at the table for because my father, who was a philosopher, thought I, that having dialogues with them was wonderful for me, and I think that's where I learned how to do dialogue, and I think that's why I can write screenplays because I always have conversations. I have conversations still in the car with my, with my characters as I'm writing, but nobody knows that they think I'm singing to the radio. 
What are some of the differences in writing screenplays? And and obviously with your work having been adapted for the screen, how do you find that translates? Does it translate easily? Well, uh, Glenn Close once told me that my stories of Sarah did because they were so spare, there was life between the lines. And in when you read them, you know that the adults are having a life right next to the children, even though I don't necessarily write about. So that when I wrote the screenplays, I could bring in the adult lives as well. So I think that that's part of it. And also part of it is being a parent. You know when you're a parent, as I do, that you have to let go of your children sooner or later. And I do that as a writer. So when I write a screenplay, sometimes there are things that I don't like as well as in my book. But, you know, the book is there, and so I let go and try it a different way. Now, you've written for the screen. You've written uh, young people's literature. Are there any other genres that uh, you have an interest in that you would uh, maybe tackle? No, you know, I always wanted to be a poet, and um, the only way I can satisfy that is to write picture books. I dearly love picture books, and I think the good ones are like little poems that you can hold in your hand. And my daughter and I are writing them together. We just have a new one coming out called Fiona Loves the Night, about a child who goes out in the night in the meadow because my daughter loves the night. So somehow that satisfies my craving to write a poem. Now, your writing has um, netted you some of the most significant awards that uh, writers can get. What does that mean to you? Does, does, is there a particular importance in being awarded for, for your writing? Well, sure. Um, you know, when you, when you get an award that is voted by your peers or by librarians, um, it pleases you. It makes you feel good that these are the people who value your work and bring the books to children. So you like them. But I'll tell you, the biggest reward is sometimes getting through a paragraph and getting mm. through a sentence and getting it right. Mm-hmm. Now, we're very pleased that you're coming to the National Book Festival September 29th. Why do you think it's important to participate in the book festival? Well, I think it brings the values to the whole world, and I think it's a fabulous thing. I've, I've attended before, and the audiences are wonderful and appreciative. And, you know, Laura Bush, being a librarian, values books, and I think it's wonderful she brings this to the rest of the world. Do you have opportunities for a lot of direct interaction with uh, your readers? Yeah, I go to schools and uh, talk with kids. And, um, you know, almost every time I go, I learn something. They have an observation about a book or something that I never thought of. For instance, the other day I went to a school and they told me that they wondered if one of my characters in one of my books was related to the one in the other because they had the last same name. And I never even knew that. And that's just so pleasing to know that children read with that eye and that ear so that they can point out things to me I didn't know that really actually thrilled them. Do you think that connection with them is, is really important to your writing process and how you're able to relate to them in, in your writing? Yeah, and I think that having children was important, too, because I used to follow them around and listen to them and one of them said to a friend once, be careful what you say in this house. It may appear in a book. But I think there is that connection. And I often wonder how who I would have written for if I hadn't had children because I do value them. 
So have a lot of your characters been inspired by people in your life? Is it a majority or, or are there composites? Well, I think they're composites. And you begin with this little kernel, this little seed of an idea of somebody saying something like my son John saying somebody has to have these photographer eyes. And um, then you, you're, it's, it's as if you're a painter, an oil painter, and you put on brush strokes and brush strokes of different colors and different dialogue, and you add to the character, and it changes it and makes it your own. So it may begin with that seed, but it isn't, it isn't reporting um, as, as a reporter from a newspaper might do. It's different. Mm-hmm. What can your fans expect to hear from you at the National Book Festival next month? Well, I'll probably talk about my books that are out and my ongoing relationship of writing with my daughter and maybe some of the struggles and what I'm going to work on next because I really don't know, but I hope by the time I get there, I do know something. And then I like to listen to them. What can you tell us about that relationship with your daughter? Well, it's fabulous. I mean, she now uh, is grown and has a two-year-old, so she's getting everything she ever deserved, let me tell you. And... um when we write, I am so impressed with what a great editor she is. Um, you know, years ago, I read to her, and she said to me when she was in college once, you know, when I write in class, sometimes I hear your voice here, which is kind of that essence of parent and child reading together. And so sometimes that comes up, but she's a better editor than I am. One time last month, she, I wrote a sentence and read it to her, and she said to me, are you really committed to that sentence, which was, a, I thought, hilarious. <laughs> well, Patricia McLaughlin, we're very uh, pleased that you took time out to talk with us today. Are there any um, parting thoughts or words that you would uh, like to share? No, I just would think, keep reading, please. We love that, we writers. We love to have an audience. Well, we love that message, too, from the Library of Congress, and we are eager to hear more from you at the National Book Festival. That will be on Saturday, September 29th on the National Mall from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. The event is free and open to the public. And if you'd like more details in the list of participating authors, you can visit www.loc.gov slash bookfest. Once again, Patricia McLaughlin, thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you. It was my pleasure. This is Matt Raymond from the Library of Congress, and we thank you all for listening today.